0: You're listening to episode 149 of the Marathon Running Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about running injury prevention. This is the Marathon Running Podcast by Letty and Ryan from We Got the Runs. Join us in our running community for weekly content that is motivational, educational, and inspirational. And let the Marathon Running Podcast take you from the starting line to the finish line and beyond. Hey runners, welcome to episode 149. My name is Luddy.
1: My name is Ryan.
0: And we are here today to talk to you about all things running injuries with spring races right around the corner, because there will be quite a few races in the next few weeks and months. Which ones? So we have a couple of major world major marathons. Tokyo just happened, but we still have Boston. We still have London. And then, of course, there's a lot of other races in different states that people run before the summertime happens and people get ready for the fall races again.
1: So let's get into it.
0: Yes, let's do it. And let's do it in two parts. The first part that we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about running injuries in general, what they are, why they happen, and what you can do in general, again, to prevent those injuries. And then in the second part of this episode, we're going to be a little bit more specific. We're going to talk about the six most common running injuries. We're going to talk about what they are, why they happen, whom they can happen to, and what goes on in our bodies when they happen, and then maybe also give some tips on how to prevent them.
1: So let's talk about part one.
0: All right. So let's talk about running injuries. Running injuries can occur for a variety of reasons, including overuse. Overuse happens commonly when you do too many miles too soon, when you are running on uneven surfaces or too hard surfaces. And then also the most common running injuries from overuse can be shin splints, plantar fasciitis, um, IT band syndrome, and stress fractures.
1: So shin splints is kind of a form of a stress fracture. Like before you get a stress fracture, you get changes in your bone marrow and other stuff that is the LTBL stress syndrome. So another reason would be,
0: Poor biomechanics. So that's just another smart way of saying poor running form, muscle imbalances, um, mechanical issues. For example, if you overpronate when your foot rolls in, um, that can lead to knee pain. And then also your body kind of compensates and maybe you're limping. And so then, you know, that's how you can also get injured. And that's what they call the poor biomechanics. And the next one. Another reason you can get a running injury would be insufficient recovery. We're going to talk about how important sleep and recovering is between your runs because that's the time that your body needs to repair itself. And rest days and adequate sleep are super important. And the next one? Inadequately warming up. A dynamic warm-up includes some stretches but also mobility exercises that help prepare your muscles and joints for the exercise you're about to do.
1: So another reason would be?
0: Another reason to get injured is inappropriate footwear. So if you wear shoes that are too worn out or that don't give you the support that your foot uh, necessarily needs, you can get injured. And obviously there's this whole can of worms that I don't want to open about how long you should or could wear your shoes. How much of that is really the running industry trying to sell you shoes versus how long can you really wear your shoes? But I think it's uh, to be said that if you wear... If you
1: wear high heels
0: if you wear high heels you might get injured or if you wear shoes that don't have enough support they're not stiff enough and you're putting high miles on it you can feel the difference in your legs so
1: and you're not conditioned for it obviously people could run barefoot and be fine but you have to condition your body for it if you try to go run with soft shoes or low shoes and you only ran with really supportive shoes then you might end up with a problem
0: absolutely that that's what i was trying to say (laughs) And then, of course, another reason to get injured is, unfortunately, your genetic disposition. Some individuals may have genetic dispositions with certain running injuries. So, you know, if if you are prone to breaking your bones or if you have arthritis running in your family or tendinitis, then, you know, that could lead to an injury.
1: Yeah, genetics, um, I think more along the lines of just anatomical variations and stuff more than anything, just, but some people are also just, Predisposed to certain things like patella malalignment or other things that will end up, you know, causing issues.
0: Exactly. So that said, now that we know the reasons why people get injured, let's talk about how, in general, those can be prevented.
1: Mm-hmm. So, Letty, what are some things you can control when it comes to your running?
0: There are four things that you can do. Number one is be smart. Be smart with your training plan. Be smart with your training. If you have a coach, then make sure it's a good coach that doesn't let you overdo it or do too much too fast. Don't do anything crazy. So you can control that training plan. Obviously, if you've never run 50 miles a week, then you don't go from 20 to 50. That's basically what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So another thing that you can control or should be able to control is your sleep. Um, sleep is very important for marathoners because it plays a crucial role in both your physical and mental recovery. While you are sleeping, the body heals itself and recovers from these injuries.
1: As you know me, I would always like to know if there's studies that have proven it or at least suggested it.
0: Yes, studies are always fun. There have been several studies that have investigated the relationship between sleep and marathon performance, and obviously we're going to talk about a few of those. For example, in the Journal of Sports Sciences in 2011, there was a study that found that sleep deprivation impaired endurance performance in a group of trained runners. The study participants were asked to perform a 30-minute time trial on a treadmill after either a normal night of sleep or a night of sleep deprivation. And the results showed that runners who were sleep deprived also had a slower recovery and a slower trial performance compared to those who had normal nights of sleep. And Ryan, right now you look like you are in that group of deprived sleep runners.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm in deprived sleep but not running much.
0: (laughs) Not running much but still sleep deprived. So it's uh, showing your performance here on the podcast. So sleep is important. Mm Mm-hmm. Another study published on the internet from the International Journal of Sports Physiology and Performance in 2014 investigated the effects of sleep extension on athletic performance among basketball players, and they found that after a period of extended sleep, which is 10 hours for five to seven weeks, the athletes had improved performances and measures of reaction times. So that's kind of crazy. I mean, to me, the craziest part of the study is that there are people that can sleep 10 hours a night for five to seven weeks.
1: Yeah. You work on much less.
0: I work on five hours and you too, right now. So (laughs) (laughs) that's not, um, I don't, I don't know where they find these athletes, but how cool would it be to be a pro
1: and just sleep for 10 hours?
0: Yeah. I don't think I could. But anyway, so all these studies show you that sleep is important. So that was number two. Number two is sleep is important. Number three, let's go into nutrition. So another thing that is good for injury prevention that you can control is nutrition. Because proper nutrition can not completely prevent injuries, but it can play a major role in reducing the risk of injuries.
1: Nutrition can be really important because of your body's fuel that it needs and all the nutrients it needs to stay healthy.
0: Because there are some good things in our food. (laughs) Number one, protein. Protein is essential for muscle repair and recovery.
1: A lot of things have protein. You can get protein from vegetables even, which lower amounts, but meat, fish, eggs, beans.
0: So protein is a good one.
1: So calcium and vitamin D help your bones. So vitamin D is, there's dietary vitamin D, but your body actually has to convert it to something that you can use for your bones by using sunlight. Kind of interesting. It's
0: like we're doing photosynthesis. (laughs) A little bit. And then we have omega-3 fatty acids, which have anti-inflammatory properties that help reduce inflammation, which those are in uh, fatty fish, flaxseed, chia seeds, and walnuts.
1: So hydration, obviously you need to drink, but having proper hydration is good. Helps your body. Your kidneys are a filter of your body, so giving them enough water to filter things out is important.
0: Yeah. So in a nutshell, it just means having a really balanced diet. Take a minute and Google it on the internet. There's lots of great information out there and just stay away from processed food is kind of my advice as a non dietitian. in a nutshell. Just have it be basic is how I live life. And so, then the last thing that we can do ourselves for injury prevention is prehab, which, if you haven't heard prehab, I think it's kind of funny because you always hear rehab. So, prehab is a term that refers to preventative exercises and measures to take to reduce the risk of injury before they occur. And there are several prehab strategies that runners can use to reduce the uh, risk of injury
1: strength training.
0: Yes, if you incorporate strength training into your running routine, that can help you um, from having muscle imbalances and just overall strength. So focus on strength exercises that target the muscles that you use in running, but don't forget your core because the core is what balances you as well.
1: Cross training might help to keep your mind fresh and also keep other extra accessory muscles in good shape.
0: Yes. And it also allows you to take a day off from running. And during that time, you can still gain fitness. You just do it in a different aspect, which will probably help your overall fitness. And then, of course, there's always the stretching, foam rolling, which if it makes you feel better, then it might help you. So that's what prehab is. And now we can move on to the most common running injuries. And I got my data from sports physician Jack Taunton, MD, and exercise scientist Michael Ryan, not our Ryan, both recreational runners from the University of British Columbia. They were studying sports years ago and recognized there was a lack of data linking specific traits such as weight, gender, and foot type to running injuries. So they did a lot of research. So we're going to start with the first one. And Ryan, I'm going to let you say them because a lot of them I will probably butcher and pronounced. So the first one is
1: You actually said it right, but it's Achilles tendinitis.
0: Yes, and what is Achilles tendonitis?
1: So your Achilles tendon is in the back of your leg, I guess. It connects your heel or calcaneus to the soleus and gastrocnemius muscles. So the big muscles, your calf muscles that you think of, you have other calf muscles there, but those are the major ones that allow you to point your toes down. And itis at the end of tendonitis just means inflammation. So anytime there's an itis, it's just inflammation of the Achilles tendon in this case.
0: Okay. And what it feels like is you have tenderness in your lower calf near your heel and that usually strikes when you push off your toes.
1: Which makes sense from what I said. But yeah, the the tendon if it's stressed too much can get inflamed, hence itis. Or it can get tendinopathy where it starts getting thickened or or other stuff too. And it can eventually tear completely tear. Sometimes people tear their Achilles completely and that's a difficult surgery and time off running. But yeah.
0: And according to the data of Dr. Taunton, you're at risk if you're on the heavier side and if you run faster. So why does it happen? Because the Achilles absorbs several times your body weight with each stride. And a faster pace and additional body weight puts even more stress on this one tendon that you have.
1: Yeah, if you think of it biomechanically, all your body weight's going to one leg when you run. But not only just your body weight, because you're also coming down from a height so it's got an acceleration so it's more than your body weight is being supported by that tendon.
0: Yes and so then how to prevent it according to them you can strengthen your calf muscles and you can do that with your toes on a step where you lower and raise your heels you can stretch your calves and keep the heel on the ground you can do other exercises such as lifting your toes back towards your shin Um, and again, you know, you're at risk if you are on the heavier side and you run fast or if you also regularly run hills because Achilles has to stretch more when you're running inclines. And now moving on to the second one of the six most common running injuries. Here we have...
1: Medial tibial stress syndrome.
0: Medial tibial stress syndrome. (laughs) It's a mouthful. So Ryan, what is medial tibial stress syndrome?
1: It's also shin splints same thing. People hear about it. So it's basically when you start getting the changes that in your bone that eventually progress to stress fracture um, and there's different grades of it medically. And so like the initial grades, you just get like periosteal edema or edema around the bone covering. Then you start getting bone marrow edema or edema in the center of the bone. And then you start getting Bone cortical edema or the thickened outer rim of the bone starts getting edema or fluid. Um, and then eventually you end up fracturing. So it's just basically like it sounds. The tibia gets stressed and it starts showing changes. On Those are all on MRI actually. Um, and it typically happens in like the medial tibia, anterior medial tibia is typical spot. So front, middle or front, inner, inner front tibia.
0: Yes, so you would experience soreness along the inside of your front lower leg. And who is at risk for this? Usually it's runners who whose feet roll inwards, so they overpronate. Other runners also who run on slanted surfaces, or if you have a high heel drop, women who wear high heels, obviously not running, but if you have a heel drop in your shoe, that could also perhaps cause that. So then, Ryan, how do we prevent um, this medial tibial stress syndrome?
1: What can runners do? So in the sense of medial tibial stress, it's actually like, or stress fracture. In this case, it's abnormal stresses on a normal bone. Um, but your body has to be prepared for those before you do it. So basically, it happen because you're you're running too fast or putting too much pressure on the bone, and it's not ready for it. So you have to progressively increase your training rather than go too fast with your training.
0: The research that I read says you can do an exercise where you hold dumbbells while doing toe
1: raises. Hold dumbbells. Oh, yeah. So I guess that's kind of pulling on the anterior part of your tibia. So maybe that'll help strengthen it there. Exercise is one of the best ways actually to increase your bone density. It's actually as good as medications we have for people that have osteoporosis. So exercises would be good because they pull on your bone. And when they pull on your bone, it strengthens it when your muscles pull on your bone.
0: Yeah. All right, moving on to number three of the six most common running injuries. Here we have...
1: So you actually have what looks like two together here, patellar tendonitis and patellofemoral pain syndrome. So those are the next two, right?
0: Yes, those are the next two.
1: So technically, they're kind of in the same spectrum because patellar tendon is the tendon going from your patella to your tibia. And itis, again, is just inflammation of that tendon. And then patellofemoral pain syndrome is basically like anterior knee pain stuff.
0: So we're talking runner's knee here.
1: Yeah, and so that can be from an oral, all sorts of potential etiologies or causes that can lead to pain in the anterior knee. But to go back to the original one, patellar tendinitis, inflammation of the patellar tendon, you know, it could just be that that's one thing that sometimes could be related to genetics a bit. Um they have interesting names of of different pathology that happens there, usually when you're younger and sometimes you can see it as you get older, but that might actually predispose you to having more issues with it later in life also.
0: So let's talk about the uh, the mechanics of this patellar tendon. What does the patellar tendon do?
1: So the patellar tendon attaches to your patella and your tibia, but patella is also attached to your quadriceps muscles or basically all the muscles in the anterior part of your leg, which are really strong muscles, and they help you extend your leg or straighten your leg, basically. And you can imagine all the weight and stuff in your body that's it's on those tendons, and so the patellar tendon in particular takes a lot of pressure. And interestingly, if you had torn your ACL, one way to fix your ACL is to take a portion of the patellar tendon and replace your ACL with the patellar tendon. And the reason they do that is because the patellar tendon is really strong. I think it was some high percentage above the strength of the original ACL, and they and they only take like the center third of it, so they leave leave the outer two thirds and let it hopefully scar and heal up. But the P, the part that they take is so strong it can replace your ACL.
0: Well, but then it might suck for running.
1: <laughs> hopefully, it you know heals up and you don't have to um you don't you don't sacrifice anything with running.
0: Yeah. All right, so who is at risk for this? Uh, if you're on the heavier side, or if you have a history of playing basketball, or if you have a sudden increase in your weekly mileage, or these injuries have also been seen to happen in uh, runners with a history of tendon injuries, people that overpronate, etc.
1: Yeah, I need jumper. It's like one of the one of the ones is called jumper's knee, and oh. so that's like. And you get pathology from, you know, at the patellar attachment, so at the top part of the patellar tendon, and so that's um that's why yeah, I think basketballs in there, but then there's also, there's an interesting one, it's called Osgood-Schlatter disease. So that's like usually when you're kids, your bones aren't as strong as your ligaments and tendons. And so what happens is your patellar tendon actually starts pulling away from your tibia and it pulls like the bone there and it can cause basically ossifications to happen as you get older in that spot. Because when you were a kid, it kind of pulled away a little bit. Oh wow. But. All right. So now we're going to continue talking about the anterior knee, I guess. So, patellofemoral pain syndrome is the next one on the list here. I think that's just an all encompassing term for like pain around the knee cap or the patella, essentially.
0: So, runner's knee in essence.
1: Yeah. So, potentially, like patellar tendonitis can fall into that category too. But um, what I see a lot with MRIs and stuff is that. And this is related to the anatomy and genetics a bit, is that the knee alignment or the alignment of the patella with regard to the femur and the trochlea or the groove that the patella sits in is highly variable. And some people have, they have all these measurements that you can use, and some people have measurements that are outside of the normal, and that potentially leads to issues. Um, they do have surgeries to fix that too, but...
0: Well, what's most interesting here about this is that according to their study, you're at risk if you are a woman who runs a 10-minute per mile pace or slower. So I wonder what the significance of of that is. Why is it happening um, more in the slower miles than in the faster miles? It Uh, also says that women who have a BMI of 21 – which is not a lot of weight. It's weighing about 135 pounds at five seven, which is not big, um, or higher. And that do weekly long runs of two hours or more and run hills. They're more prone to it.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I think if, <clears throat> if you're heavier, that doesn't necessarily relate to the patellar malalignment, but if you're, cause your patella might be aligned, but if you're heavier, you could potentially have, um, more issues because you have more weight and force pushing on the Metella.
0: but that's what I'm saying 135 pounds for a woman that's 5'7 is not that much
1: weight yeah I don't know what the normal BMI is I'd look it up this is a dangerous point of conversation right now <laughs> it's like whatever I say next can gonna- dictate what the next year of my life will be like
0: all right so we'll cut this off here so let's talk about number five of the six most common running injuries we are talking about my good old friend plantar fasciitis welcome back plantar fasciitis,
1: <laughs> <laughs> plantar fasciitis because you had that and the common theme here seems to be itis which is inflammation so this time your plantar fascia is inflamed We talked about the Achilles tendon that goes from your leg down to your heel or calcaneus. Well, this goes from your calcaneus forward to your foot. Um, Definitely a very common place to have pathology or something wrong. I would say a very high percentage of people have some form or evidence that they had some type of plantar fasciitis in their life. Very high percentage of people have that when I look at MRIs. Yeah, Most people probably doesn't bother them much, or maybe they didn't even feel it. Um, but yeah, it seems to be a very common place to have some pathology.
0: Yes, it definitely doesn't discriminate. fasciitis strikes everyone, and here it says that men over 40, you're at risk. There's family history that comes into play sometimes as well. Also, people that wear flip-flops or flats a lot, and then pregnant women. So let's talk about the biomechanics. So why does that happen? What happens... When you get plantar fasciitis,
1: so fascia is kind of similar to a tendon, but it's more a fascia is similar to a tendon in ways. It's just fanned out or more flat in the plantar fascia, and so it is an area that gets a lot of force. So I think just the by being an area there that it gets a lot of injury, or a lot of tr- like a lot of force on it can be more prone to injury. From what the doctors that you looked up said, it looks like that it's typically stiffer in men and gets less flexible with age. That's a common theme, unfortunately. (laughs) A lot of your tendons or You know, soft tissues get less flexible with age. And so by having... And a a lot a lot of your tendons too have some elasticity. And so the elasticity helps probably prevent some injury. So as you get older and you lose some of that elasticity, then that trauma goes more forcefully to the tendon or fascia in this case and can potentially cause issues.
0: Yes. And when you do have plantar fasciitis, it has that sensation of that you wake up in the morning and it really hurts to step on your heels and it took me forever to figure out that really massaging calves and uh untightening them basically um by by stretching them or whatever it makes them feel a lot better in the morning and you. then it helped me yeah for sure so then let's talk about how to prevent jumper's knee or runner's knee both what can we do to avoid getting knee problems of that
1: nature i i know one thing that that I think it's shown some promise. It's just actually strengthening, strengthening your quadriceps. I mean, and then a lot of times you can, you can balance it with the other muscles too, like your hamstrings are the muscles in the back, your, um, your hamstrings and biceps femoris are in the back and your quadriceps are in the front. And by strengthening both of those, it probably, it can help, it can help keep that patella in alignment and stuff too.
0: All right, so now we're going to talk about number six of the six most common running injuries. And here we have...
1: Iliotibial band syndrome. It goes from your ilium, or it's your pelvic, your lateral, kind of outside pelvic bone, down to your tibia. So it crosses your whole fever. And it's a band. It's also kind of like a fascia. It's just a thinned, basically, ligament or so in this case more. And it can actually rub in your knee. And that's typically where people get it is as your knee flexes back and forth, it can rub against the iliotibial band and can cause inflammation and pain. Fortunately, it's not anything that's usually tears or has any major injury, but it can cause a lot of pain.
0: So the rubbing on the knee is what causes the pain. So then how can people prevent getting this?
1: So if if it gets injured, you know, typically... Like with anything else, you just rest it and ice it. That's usually the best method. But if you try to want to try to prevent it or if you have it, then, you know, strengthening the muscles around there is probably the best option we have.
0: Yeah. And then in your opinion, once you have one of these injuries, are they more likely to reoccur or is that something that once you had plantar fasciitis, you're more or less likely to get it again?
1: Yeah. I mean, you're probably likely to get it again. I mean, a lot of times too, like I was referring to before is, I think you can see the remnants of plantar fasciitis or on people that have that maybe have had it in the past, and it doesn't bother them at all now. But it's potentially that that fascia is not as strong, or maybe it's scarred down some, and you could and whatever predisposed you to get it in the first place is probably not gone away. So you could potentially get it again. Hopefully, if you exercise and and you know follow the tips appropriately, then you won't get it. But
0: Yes. Well, hopefully not. All right. So then that's it for the six most common running injuries. And we will definitely link in our show notes, the study by Dr. Taunton and information where you can kind of look for what to do, how to prevent stuff and how to treat stuff once you have
1: had it. Hopefully we've provided some information or at least reviewed some stuff that people can use.
0: Yes. That's always the goal here. Give us your feedback and let us know if you have any extra questions and we'll try to link you with the persons that um, can maybe help you.
1: Or if you have any ideas for topics that you want to hear about, let us know.
0: Yes, that's always also very welcome. You can reach us best at Running Podcast on Instagram. So good luck to everyone who's training for a current spring marathon. I hope you can manage to stay injury free. And with that,
1: have a good week of running.
0: thanks for tuning in. For more information, head to www.runningpodcast.us. And as always, have a great week of running.